This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. By now you probably know that I like to read the newspaper. I just like that old school feel. But when I'm traveling or too busy to grab a paper, I like to go digital. It doesn't matter how you read the news, it just matters that you read it. That's how I stay informed. Read the paper or go digital. It's up to you. Be like Clay. Subscribe today and get local coverage of everything that matters. Read the paper. Subscribe to digital or print by going to clayoffer.com. It's news delivered your way. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal. It's been a long time, but the entire Hardwood Knox team is back. This is Adam Frommel here with Andrew Bailey and Dan Favalli. Andy has been really busy with law school. I've been super lazy, and Dan has been holding down the podcast on his own. I haven't seen your guys, your faces in forever, so how are you guys doing? I still can't see Andy's face. That's true. <laughs> Which his Skype is pretty broken. Yeah. I, so I explained to you guys, um, I sent in this computer to Apple. They fixed a broken screen and sent it back to me with no webcam. <laughs> and then when I tried to get the webcam fixed, they said, well, now it's past warranty. So... Fortunately, the soothing sounds of my voice are, are probably enough to keep you guys uh, at bay for now. I know you'd love to see my face, but uh, this is going to have to do. You should narrate Hardwood books Knox on tape. not sponsored by Apple. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And now we and never, will, never be. will be. Yeah. <laughs> the iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. <laughs> that be, might have been a pipe dream anyway. It'd be great yeah. if an Apple commercial played right now on Blog Talk, though, as Andy was like <laughs> talking about that. That would be perfect. Maybe maybe they'll hear it uh, by some off chance and give me a webcam, though. I think you're really overestimating how many people we reach with the podcast. Yeah, we have probably... like hand a handful of listeners, at least six. One of which could be a random <laughs> Apple employee. So, or the CEO for that matter, <laughs> Tim Cook. If you're listening, I need a webcam. <laughs> on my we will plug Apple every podcast from here on out. Yeah. Well, wow, that kind of 
that about faced quickly. <laughs> we will never be sponsored <laughs> by Apple. To plug Apple for free every podcast. Yeah, I'll do it. It's all about keeping an open mind here I'm and keeping start. my face visible. Don't forget to tag Apple when we tweet this out. <laughs> yeah. That's a great call. So I'm going to attempt to segue here because Apple is clearly not an all-star this year, but we're going to talk about who is in the NBA. Touché, that wasn't forced at all, right? Touche. No. I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, so we've uh, we've seen the all-star starters revealed for the first time using the combination of fan voting, media voting, and the players kind of voting. Not all of them did. Not all of them took it seriously, and that whole process was kind of a disaster. But does one of you two want to run through who's already on the teams? Not Kyle Lowry, which is BS. So I think we can leave it at that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty much all we need to know. Um, <laughs> I thought the I'll, – I'll go through the East. I thought the Eastern Conference front court picks were, like, obvious. Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I guess the only wild card in there would have been Embiid. But he was never going to get, like, the same player popularity he got from the fan vote. And they, they, at that process, the process got that right, which is – no, no pun intended by saying the process. <laughs> the backcourt was egregiously bad. Like, when we get yep. to this level, we're splitting hairs into quarters. I get that. But of the six guards that were most deserving for starting consideration, Kyrie Irving and DeMar DeRozan were five and six, respectively, and were the ones yeah. that got in, which just shows that I'm, – I'm not even talking about defense, but, like, like just one one dimensional type players, or maybe I don't even want to go that far because of how good Demar Derozan is in the pick and roll. But I just don't I don't understand how both of them got in over Lowry and Wall, and I even would have put It and Kemba in front of them as well. I it thought just, that was terrible. I'm with you 100 percent on that. I was just thinking the other day. It it blows my mind how many people still think Derozan is the main guy on the Raptors. It's just because he's the numbers. leading scorer. Yeah. And his, it's, just, it's, it's crazy to me. That's like my most – that's a revealing take to me in NBA circles. If you are among those who thinks DeRozan is better than Lowry, I'm not sure I can take you seriously on much else. And the media put DeRozan above Lowry, right? Their votes too? Yep. So like that was – and if we're looking at scoring, Isaiah Thomas's scoring average is now higher than DeRozan's. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. So – yeah, I don't get it. I, I think I, it's worth you, noting yeah. that like DeRozan and Kyrie are both legitimate all stars. Like we don't I really have gripes yeah. with that. It's just it's like you're like you're saying it's so revealing what people are looking at, and it it doesn't even make sense to me in conjunction with Russell Westbrook, who's leading the league in scoring, not making it in the West. <laughs> like if we're overvaluing scoring for DeRozan, why aren't we also doing that for Westbrook? I don't get that either. I mean, I, it, I, go ahead. I had Dan. zero qualms about the Stephen Curry pick. I, I was of the mind in the West Court situation where of the three main candidates in Harden, Westbrook, and Curry, there just wasn't a wrong combination of answers. Because I think you can argue that Stephen Curry is worthy of an all-star starting slot. And he's probably sure. been better on defense than Russell Westbrook this year, even though we don't take that into consideration. But it, it, I guess it is like Adam said, is why are we not overvaluing the same things across the board? But Curry had the fan vote, and he was never going to, because he was, because that backcourt was just so tight in general out West, where it had to be those three guys. And that's the other issue I had with this, this process, what was happening to pick the All-Stars this year. Like, the difference, 
Westbrook got like 93% of the media had him on their ballot. And then you had to drop down to like 7% had the third place candidate there. But he only trailed by a small margin in the fan vote. He was third behind Harden and Curry. So why does that tiny discrepancy between second and third count the same as the massive discrepancy between second and third in another category? Like by only looking at the ranks and not how those ranks were determined, I don't think that it was really accurate. The, the NBA almost sabotaged itself by trying to add more meaning to these all-star selections because we reached a point when it was just the fans picking where, and it probably still is, but where it was just taboo or not as common a practice to be like player X needs to be in the Hall of Fame or is amazing because he has this many all-star selections. But now the NBA has assigned a value to it by including the players and the media members by saying they don't trust the fans fully to get it right so that when you do complain about snubs, particularly in the starting lineup, you're going to have bigger qualms. And my other thing was, I don't want to hear the players complain that the media and the fans don't get it right. Like yeah. if you looked at some of those, their fan, their votes were votes, insane. They, they didn't even get a 75% turnout on player <laughs> ballots. I think I read. And then you're looking at, you know, Trevor Booker getting more votes, presumably from his Nets teammates than Dwight Howard, in Atlanta, who neither deserved to be in get some yeah. votes. Uh, Chris Middleton <laughs> got two votes, yeah. and he hasn't played this year. He's been injured. Rondo got a vote. From Rondo, Zoltan probably. Got, like, yeah, that clearly wasn't Zoltan a Bulls Double teammate. figures votes. It's just, again, I'm not saying players shouldn't be included, but let's stop with the whole the media doesn't know, they don't take this seriously yeah. enough, and the fans don't take it seriously <laughs> enough. And at this point, I almost just want to go back to the fan voting because we can just look at this as, oh, Whatever, because it, it was a, yeah. it was really unnerving for me, and I shouldn't like ascribe such a, a profound value to it. But it was really unnerving to see that the people who were supposed to be in the know most had DeRozan over Lowry. Like yeah, DeRozan is, is fantastic. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but Lowry is just he's just clearly better than any guard in the East for that matter right now. Yeah, he's been the best point guard for sure. That was a mini burns my bacon. Um, did we at any point? <laughs> I don't think we ever laid out the full West starting five anywhere in there, did we? No, which is nope. we said Curry and Harden. Um, and I'm actually I'm I, I'm on the side of pretty confused that Westbrook isn't starting. Um, and then there's Durant, Leonard, and Davis in the front court. Anthony Davis. I was glad Davis uh, got it over Cousins. I was worried that there might be a chance yeah. he wouldn't. Yeah, I, I, I honestly wouldn't really care either way. I mean, they're both ultra-productive centers on losing teams. I, I get that Davis has a better, um, you know, intangibles off the court type stuff than Cousins with his reputation for technicals and uh, better pouting too. and things. But or at least yeah. more involved. Although Boogie's been good on defense this year. Just, yeah, I don't. He, he has like this on again, off again interest in playing it that I, I don't think we've ever, with the exception of maybe the beginning of last year, I don't think we've ever seen that hot and cold, interested, disinterested demeanor from Davis. That's true. yeah, that's true. I think that's true. I wouldn't have really cared either way um, if if either of those guys had started at the five. I think there's an argument for them, and there's an argument maybe even for a couple of other centers too. Would, I guess the thing that we lose out most in in this all-star voting by Curry getting in is seeing the chance to 
to have Westbrook, Harden, and Durant start a game together again. Or I don't even know, did they I ever start a game together? And someone floated the idea, like, wouldn't it be great if Westbrook just refused the NBA's all-star invite, <laughs> like, as a reserve, because he's not starting. So it's like, because putting him and Durant in such close quarters, especially if Draymond Green gets in on the coach's ballot, it, it just feels like it's going to be... I, I don't know, like, that'll just dominate All-Star Weekend, even if there's nothing there. But then again, maybe that would force them to talk. Um, I Could you see, and this wasn't my idea, I saw it on Twitter, but could you see Westbrook being like, nah, I don't want to come? No, I don't think so. I'd just because, not, yeah. like, as big a deal as we make out of the starters, and I look at that more to see what people are valuing and how they're how they're doing valuing these players, like, there's no differentiation between starters and reserves as soon as a year has passed. Yeah, I mean, that's if you, true. If you look back three years and you look at the all-star roster, are you even going to be able to tell which players started? Or like when you're talking about a Hall of Fame conversation, you're saying this guy made eight all-star teams. Like no one says he started five of those. That's a good point. Yeah. And even the guys who are injured and don't go still get that on their resume, right? Yep. Which is probably the upside of this new voting process is because it's like Adam said at the beginning – even though we don't think Kyrie Irving and DeMar DeRozan should be starters, they absolutely should be all-stars, where if the fans picked, Dwayne Wade probably would have been starting with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And Zaza would have been on the team. Yeah, I was just going to say, like with all the gripes that we might have about the new system, it did keep Zaza out of there, Wouldn't which that, would like that, in itself is probably worth it. Would Zaza have been the most ridiculous all-star in NBA history? Uh, I'm going to say yes, without I'm even gonna, like, looking it up. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Kobe. <laughs> No, Yao Ming. When oh, he, he had a year he didn't even play, right? Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah, that's and like, Yao Ming, when he played, actually played at points like an all-star. Yes, Zaza doesn't play like an all-star, but he has at least been an asset for that team. Like, there are enough things that he does well on a team that's going to win 70 games, or at least is on pace to win 70 games. He's been an above-average player. I'm not saying he's an all-star. He shouldn't even be within sniffing distance of yeah. the all-star game. But it's not like he's some scrub there was, was randomly being voted in. I mean, it would be totally he's, he's different the closest if you're looking we've ever at like had, though, because didn't Kobe <laughs> win the voting when he played like six games that one year? Yeah, that's bad yeah. too. So like yeah. that would I mean, be almost the equivalent of Yao Ming. Like Kobe was clearly more popular and had the better career, but I, I'm with Bailey. I, I just I think, think Zaza would have been the most. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people are viewing it as like Mike Scott getting into the All Star game or some player of that caliber. You know, like a, a nondescript backup on a mid-level team. Like, he is a legitimate starter on one of the better teams, the, the best team in the NBA. So I guess I'm not as, like, quite as sour on it. It's still egregious and ridiculous and what if, shows that this process did need to be changed. But I don't think it's, like, out of this world terrible. If we just look at the phrasing of Dan's joke, though, and we go back to your, like, look at it three years from now, those, those Yao Ming and Kobe Bryant selections probably look a little less crazy than Zaza Pachulia. Right. Yeah. If you're just looking yeah. back, you're like Zaza Pachulia, one-time All-Star. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we already have some of those too. You know, Mo like Williams, right? one-time All-Star. Yeah. Kevin Willis. Was Mo Williams an All-Star? Yeah, once, right? When yeah. he was in Cleveland. Wow. Or, in Cleveland? or no, El, he was in. Was he a Clipper then, or was he with the? No, he was with the Cavs, wasn't oh, he? Okay. I feel like this is 2008. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself here. Man. I'm actually, so I'm going to be, this is going to be one of the most inaccurate podcasts ever because. The, <sighs> 2009 with the, with the Cavs. 
this is going to be one of the most inaccurate podcasts ever because the new call recorder that I, I bought doesn't want you to minimize Skype or else it like comes in all choppy. So <laughs> this is all just off the cuff. That's what I always do anyway. Yeah. Right, but normally I'll check things as we're going. Like I'm just going to throw out numbers and you guys should definitely <laughs> not bank on that being right. We'll, we'll just double check you. Russell Westbrook is averaging 50 points per game since December 3rd. Whoa! <laughs> Um, we let's start with Westbrook. He's obviously a lock for all three of us as a reserve, right? Obviously, <laughs> yeah. He, he's still my MVP pick. He's. I think I'm still going hard on that, but go ahead, Dan. Uh, the MVP is like tougher for me this year because I want to pick LeBron still, but what Westbrook ha- is higher up on my ladder than I thought he would be because I didn't think the Oklahoma City Thunder were going to be as good as they are, but he's put them. I think on course for like 47 victories. And while it's still, that's going to be like a six seed or a five seed in the West. And we're used to these two and three seeds winning. If you're going to have like a 50 win dalliance on the team that you have after losing Kevin Durant, a top three superhuman for absolutely nothing. He might, he might, Oh, him too. I forgot. He might be, although DeMantis Sabonis has been hella good. Like I don't even know if they (laughs) miss Serge Ibaka that much. But, that team is still atrocious without I was going to say, right. everything around Westbrook is so bad. I, so I think he's, and I'm speaking for myself, but I would guess that this is true for a bunch of people. There's a better than good chance he'll end up number one on my ballot by the end of the year, and I did not see that happening. Like, I knew he was going to be crazy. I think we even talked about him averaging a triple-double yep. before the season started. But the the Thunder are going to be in the 50-win conversation unless they drop off. Like, if you get them to 47, 48 wins with this roster, again, after losing two of your three best players, that that's just absurd. That's incredible. If the, so, Rockets yeah, end up beating the, if the Rockets end up having a better record than the Spurs, though, I don't know. That will be tough to pick against I, Harden, too. I'm not – I think the Rockets – could be in for a slight regression. I think they'll still end up like mid fifties to high fifties, but I think we can make a lot of the same arguments for Harden that we just did for Westbrook. Like right. look at what everybody thought about Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson before they came to play with Harden. Like they were Mike D'Antoni is my MVP pick. Well, <laughs> he certainly deserves a lot of the credit too. And I think he's, he's like the runaway for coach of the year right now, but um, you got to have somebody who can run this. Like, um, <laughs> I, I would almost say that, uh, and I think I will say, Harden is more suited for this than Nash even was. Um, he's yes. just like the perfect he's, D'Antoni point guard, and it's showing in those numbers. Go yeah, ahead, Dan. He, no, I, I was just going to agree. He's better than Nash. He's like the souped-up version of Nash that plays more defense and looks for his own shot. Yeah. I really wish just that one some more people on... would be willing to accept that Harden isn't like the world's worst defender anymore. Yeah, he's and, he and Houston's not was the terrible defensively as a team either. Like they're middle of the pack right now. One more thing on Westbrook before we move on because we spent a little bit of time on him. Um, I just looked it up while we were talking. When he's on the floor, OKC outscores opponents by four point six points per hundred possessions, and when he's on the bench, they're outscored by eleven. So. Yeah, slight pretty, difference. Pretty big discrepancy well, there. Wait, can I? I have a counterpoint to that, and I know this okay. b- to be true because I looked it up for an article I did yesterday. LeBron, the Cavaliers experienced the same dip. Um, 
statistical dip without LeBron James that the Thunder do without Harden this season. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I actually just looked that up recently too. Like, it, the crazy thing about LeBron is every year we want to like anoint somebody new, but in reality, he's like right there <laughs> every gonna, single season. He's a legitimate pick. It's gonna be one of those situations where maybe you maybe it won't be as easy to name like a the one that he was snubbed for in terms of who didn't deserve it. Like when you look back at those Jordan years, but we're going to look back and be like, damn, LeBron only had four or five MVPs. Like that's absurd. He yeah. Had more if that wasn't clear. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Um, so I think for like the sake of uh, continuity, do we want to like, do we want to run through each guy's reserve picks and then just talk about each guy's or do we want to go pick by pick? Well, I think let's let's knock the consensus ones out of the way because we know okay. who everyone's picking. So, like, we know that Chris Paul would be on there if he were healthy. So yep. we all get to pick an injury reserve. We know that everybody's going to put DeMarcus Cousins and Draymond Green on there. And I think we all had Marcus Saul as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So it gets it gets interesting after that. So, like, for my, so, for my last three, my two wild cards, I have two members of the Jazz, Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward. And then I have C.J. McCollum, not Damian Lillard, replacing Paul as an injury reserve. I have McCollum replacing Paul, too, over Lillard. I have – I actually put Hayward as a non-wild card in the front court. My wild cards are Clay and, and Marcus Saul. My wild cards are going to be Gobert. My injury replacement is going to be Hayward. And I'm saving my wild card <laughs> for last because <laughs> – it's Nikola Jokic, which threw Dan for a little bit of a loop Who? before. <laughs> Who is that? Starting center for the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic. Um, we, so since he was reinserted into the starting lineup on December 15th, he's averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Trash. Shoot 64% from the field, 46 from three. Denver is now in eighth place in the West. Um, in the last couple of months, they have one of the best offenses in the league. And I think we can almost directly attribute that to him now being the full-time starter. Even if we count his time on the bench, which is somewhere he probably never should have been, he's still in the top 20 in value over replacement player this season. Um, I think he's still sort of talked about in basketball corners of Twitter as this like up-and-coming guy that more people should know about. Um, I am ready to say that he's already an all-star. I don't know if that's crazy, but I'm, I'm planting my flag there. I just haven't heard of this guy. <laughs> it's, we've reached a point where it's becoming overrated to call Jokic underrated, right? Like people know, sure. have to know who this I'd... dude is by now. And he's 16th in TPA, NBA math plug. Yeah. So we got him top 20 in two like catch all metrics. Um, and, and so I think a lot of people's argument would, would be that he's not played enough. But those two, like, cumulative stats say he's already a top 20 player. How many minutes has he played? Regardless of the minutes. I think he probably plays, like, let me see real quick, 25 minutes a game. Let me see. What is that? 25.6. What's do that? His, do you have his total for the season? Yeah, his total minutes would be 949. All right. I, I'm <laughs> this is my catch-up, too, with Jokic. Because, I, I mean... He's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. And I think that his value goes even beyond what you said, Andy, because it wasn't just 
them reinserting him in the lineup so much as using him as a primary facilitator. Like the Denver offense is going to run through That's him why, on yeah. almost every possession. They're they're utterly reliant on his his passes to these cutters towards the basket. Every pass that he makes is going to a three or a cut, and it's inspiring everybody to actually move on offense. That offense got really stagnant early in the season, and, and his- he's completely freed it up. But like Dan's about to say, the playing time is hard for me. Putting someone- I'm also just going to piggyback on the pass because that's like the main reason I want him in is the passing. I just think it's ridiculous for a guy of his size to be this good of a passer. And I don't know if this is still true. I ran the search two or three weeks ago, but the only other guy in history who had a season with similar rebounding and assist percentage was Bill Walton, like one of the most legendary players to ever play the game. Like we, we just haven't seen anything like this guy in so long. And sure, he's probably going to be an all-star in a couple of years, so he doesn't have to get in right away. But I think just based on the value he's brought already, he's, he's already there. It, it's kind of hypocritical of me to detract from the minutes that Jokic has played when Embiid is just so firmly planted in the all-star conversation. But I think what hurts Jokic probably more than it's going to hurt Embiid is how many other deserving candidates there are in the front yep. court. We're in the yep. East. Yeah. I think you can argue that Drummond's been a bit overrated. Hassan Whiteside might have been a bit overrated. Kevin Love's candidacy might be a bit overrated. I don't think you can look at Marcus All and Rudy Gobert. Like I still one have Gasol and Gobert be... in there, though. The... Who, who am I leaving off? Well, you yeah, there's say... just not going to be I mean, that DeAndre Jordan the is the one game. that I'm – what's that? I, I guess the other thing, too, is, though, is – if Jokic does get in, it will be because at least one of oh, Marc Gasol and Rudy Gobert did not. I don't think the coaches are going to put like four or five centers on the All-Star. I would be astounded if they did that. I'm not Again, I, Jokic is clearly a star talent, but picking someone, and again, this comes with the caveat of everything Embiid has done, but picking someone at the halfway mark who hasn't reached that thousand-minute plateau, if we want to actually peg these All-Star selections as valuable— that, that volume particularly matters. And again, he's going to be an all-star at some point. He is so good. And what Adam was saying before, it's amazing that that's where the Nuggets are now, considering where they started the season as yeah. the, him being basically their second big. And yet now the offense is entirely dependent on him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he will be an all-star. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any You're chance. You're such a and the one guy, What's that? You're a pot stirrer. You're like related to Skip. <laughs> I think there's, uh, I mean, the one guy oh, that man. I thought probably deserves to be in there. I mean, I could make a pretty strong argument that he should be in there is DeAndre Jordan. So, but good. other than that, who else in the front court am I really like? I would um, put Carl Anthony fighting. Towns over Nicole Jokic for the All Star game. I don't know if I would. I would. He's been so good this year, and people just don't even realize it. I just. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know if he has as much of an impact on the Wolves as Jokic has on the Nuggets. That's what it comes down to with me. I guess me. I could see that argument, but he... And I don't think that he's like... I, I think the argument maybe would be that he's better defensively, but I don't know if there's that big of an edge um, that he has on Jokic on Carl that end. Towns is actually and been, I think Jokic is clearly better offensively. He's a... Yeah, I guess... Yeah, he's better because of his passing, and Carl Anthony Towns just isn't there yet. But 
And Jokic, like around the rim, his pulse moves and stuff, like, he is so far beyond his age with but, some of the stuff he does inside. So is so is Towns. Like he's such a smart offensive player. And he's been he's been good defensively. The Timberwolves are just have been a mess for most of the year where they have all this overhelping. And I, I don't think, one, you're not helping him by playing him a bunch of minutes next to Gorgie Jang. Two, you're not helping him by playing him a bunch of minutes next to Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins, who have been close to hot garbage on that end of the floor. Adam, I feel like, is about to drop a mic. <laughs> no, I, I spend so much time talking about Jokic in person and on Twitter that I'm just enjoying listening to this. <laughs> And I think also, we could make the same argument. Podcast, I have plenty of people that I could bring on. There you go. Maybe we should save a lot of this for later then. I, I, I like, like I told you guys before the podcast, I realized this is kind of crazy to have. It's not, it's not crazy. It's not. It's, I'm not even saying it's crazy. I just think knowing who you would have to leave off this year to get Jokic in there, I just don't think you can justify it, especially I mean, when you combine it with the playing time. Here's the ultimate argument against Jokic's candidacy. I don't have him on my ballot. <laughs> that is pretty big. And you are like, you are the Jokic aficionado. Then nobody would dispute that. Um, let's talk about, let's have you guys talk about CJ McCollum. Cause you both had him as your injury replacement, which I, um, I'm on board with. Like I'm, I'm fine with it. I had Hayward. Um, but I want to hear why you guys had McCollum on there. I, it was, it was strictly offense and his shooting. And Adam will probably have more in depth numbers on it but he has just been lights out this year and he's so good like there's a chance and sometime soon that he's gonna end up being better than Damian Lillard and and you can even see some of those signs on defense he's not good there yet but I think when you look at it and you look at his length a little bit and some of the decisions he makes if he ends up becoming a better player than Lillard on that end of the floor by a comfortable margin his offense is close enough where you can say McCollum is the more valuable player. McCollum is the better player. I, I think it's have pretty numbers. close already. Go ahead, Adam. I do have numbers for you. McCollum is taking two and a half shots per game from between 10 and 16 feet. The league average is 0.82 points per shot from there. He's at, he's at 1.01. From 16 feet to the three-point line, he's taking 4.2 attempts per game, which is one of the highest in the league. The league average is 0.802 points per shot there, and he is at 0.968. And then he is taking 6.1 three-pointers per game. League average is 1.074 points per shot on that, and he's at 1.266. There is a serious argument to be made that he's taken over as the best shooter in the league. And I think we got to see that on full display when Lillard was hurt for a couple games, and he just exploded. I watched a couple of those games when Lillard was out, too, and he was like the primary ball handler. Um, I think it might have been the war. I think they played the Warriors somewhere in that stretch. And he was, <laughs> he has this, it's almost like a big man shot where it's kind of a catapult from behind the head sometimes. And he has this pull up where guys are right in his face. And I just think there's no, nobody has any business <laughs> making this shot. And it's just like the same sort of casual walk up to it release that he has with everything. There's like a smoothness to his game and his shooting is just, it's amazing to me. I think that we can make a legitimate argument that Steph Curry last season was the best pull-up shooter we've ever seen. And I think that McCollum this year has been in that same category. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. Because what Curry was doing last year was unreal and rightfully got a ton of attention. And I'm not sure McCollum's shooting is getting the attention it deserves this year. 
the Blazers are that bad. Well, yeah, I don't, that's I don't certainly think part of that, it. I don't think that McCollum and Lillard have a long-term future together. With the way they play on defense, they can't. Concern. The way yeah. they play on defense, it's they, they can't win with that combination, and they both need the ball in their hands. Like this isn't a situation like with Steph Curry where we can take one of take someone off the ball and he's still going to thrive. Like they need to create their own shots to get in any sort of rhythm. Like they can both hit pull up jumpers, but that's not where they're going to thrive. I actually think they would be fine playing off the ball more than they do now. But I, I think offensively, there's, I... there's not a there's not a problem. And I thought that's what the Blazers were thinking when they signed Evan Turner. It, yeah. It's not a problem, but I think it can get even it. better. What can get even better? Like both of them would be even better without the other there. Not just individually, but I, I think yeah. you can argue if you took one of them off offensively, like there might be a drop off. But it's like the defensive concerns are bigger, and I think the argument on offense is is you can probably end up making a lateral move offensively by keeping one of them and trying to trade the other one, which is something they're going to have to look at over the summer when McCollum's extension kicks in and he could be. Um, sent out as more outgoing salary on the books. But they won't get rid of Lillard, I don't think, the Blazers. But I do think, you know, if we're going to look like one or two years from now down the line, this might be more of a conversation where, wow, McCollum ended up being a better player than Lillard. Mm-hmm. So I think we uh, – let's run through each of our picks real quick just as sort of a recap. I had Westbrook. Chris Paul, Draymond Green, DeMarcus Cousins, Marc Gasol, Rudy Gobert, and Nikola Jokic, and then Gordon Hayward was my injury replacement for Paul. I had Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul with McCollum replacing Paul, Marc Gasol, DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, and Gordon Hayward. And I think that we also need to have a Utah Jazz podcast at some point because yeah. Hayward and Gobert deserve some serious attention, and we just Those don't have, have the time so with them good. today. Yeah. One of them better make it. Like I, yeah, it would be pretty. Yeah, bad. I mean, I, I, I can absolutely up. see a situation where like DeAndre Jordan and Clay Thompson are going to get in, yep. instead of them, which would be such a travesty. Yep, I, I'm like bracing myself for it. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think Gobert belongs above any of the big men except for Demarcus Cousins this year. I same here. I think he's in the conversation for best center. Anyway, go ahead, Dan. Um, I have Russ. CP3, and then McCollum is his injury replacement. Then I have DeMarcus Cousins, Gordon Hayward um, as a non-wild card reserve. Draymond Green, who didn't get enough all-star attention, I think, when you looked at all the voting from fans, media, and players. And my wild cards are Clay Thompson and Marc Gasol, who has been absolutely terrific this year. And I just a quick note, I think that we all have Chris Paul in there because the timing of an injury should not affect the all-star candidacy. If that had happened a week later, then he would have been in. Yeah. He's been – his, his numbers again. just – yeah, his, he's been incredible. Like top five point guard still, even with the way Westbrook and Harden are playing. Like his just like value type numbers are still right near the top. It's amazing how over the past three years or so, maybe two years, he's almost become underrated because the conversation just revolves around – Stephen Curry and Russell Westbrook, yep. and now this season, James Harden. Chris Paul is the best point guard of all time. Yeah, I'd be willing to I'd, say that. Yeah, he's statistically, he's definitely got a very strong argument. Hopefully I just upset a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that means sure a lot of did. people are listening to us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'll, take, I'll take Chris Paul over anyone. Um, 
the East, we don't really have. We were, we were chalk with each other, right? We all had the same picks. Yeah. Derek Rose I in guess the backcourt. Mention... <laughs> yeah, Dennis Stop Schroeder. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think we all have like relatively the same picks with like one conversation. Everyone has Kyle Lowry and John Wall and Isaiah Thomas and Kemba Walker and Paul Millsap and. Then it comes down to Paul George, Kevin Love, and Joel Embiid for that last spot. Okay, so we and all... I would throw in. I'm going to throw in somebody else too. Once we sort that out, if you're throwing in Jokic, you better damn well be throwing in Chris back <laughs> into that conversation. Um, no, sorry, Dan. Does his does his last name rhyme with torture? Uh, yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> So maybe we should just make it a four-person conversation. Paul George, Joel Embiid, Kevin Love, and believe it or not, I was really torn, and I, I had Otto Porter in there for a little bit before I switched Joel Embiid into his stead. Okay, so we have, as the backcourt, like, surefire reserves, we have Lowry and Wall, all of us, right? Yeah. Those are our two picks. And then for the wild cards, we all have Kemba Walker and Isaiah Thomas. Four yep. point guards. <laughs> um, it probably helps that there maybe there's a chance. I originally thought they wouldn't carry five point guards on the All Star roster, but I think you can look at Irving as more of a combo guard or a glorified sure. shooting guard. So I, I have sure. hope that we'll get that right. So the front court is the is the only place we have a real discussion. And Millsap's alone. Millsap is in. Yeah. Yeah. He better. So be let's in. start with Joel Embiid, which the obvious argument for Embiid is that he just hasn't played enough. Which, as you guys pointed out with Jokic, I, I think it's totally fair. Um, I want to see how many total minutes he has. I think it's under eight. I think, I think so the he has between, I think the difference between Embiid and Jokic, and I think that Jokic is having a superior season, but the All-Star game isn't just about how good these guys have been. It's also about the excitement levels and who people yeah, want to come power. see play and all that. And like for everything that Jokic has done for the Nuggets, Embiid has been just as important to Philadelphia's success. They're actually a competent team when he's on the court. And beyond that, he's invigorated like a national movement. Nobody really yeah. cares about Jokic outside of Denver and the NBA writers circle and the super fans. But everybody is on board with this Embiid stuff. I mean, he he did end up beating Kevin Love in the fan vote, I think. Here's... Here's what I was against. I called his all-star case overrated because so much was built off his clever social media campaign. I won't deny that it was amazing. But <laughs> if, again, if we're going to talk about these selections as meaningful, and if we're still going to use all-star selections as contract incentives for players, the volume to me matters. And again, he was, he's not just under the 1,000-minute plateau. He's under the 800-minute mark. He doesn't play on both ends of back-to-backs. He's never played in 30 minutes and played 30 minutes in a single game. His minutes cap is going to be um, in effect for the rest of the season. But what ultimately swayed me, and I, I think this was probably until last night, what swayed me is that the Sixers post a top eight net rating with him beat on the floor and then just go back to the worst team in the league by far when he's off. It's like, uh, I a just looked it eight. up. It's, Top eight. It's, Could we sit there it's for about a the same as Westbrook's? Like the the swing between on and off. And again, the on off stats are so imperfect. But like with the Sixers, like it, it's the Sixers, and we can yeah. Talk we about talked about how bad good. Westbrook's supporting cast was. Like, look at Embiid's. Right, and they're they've been so good defensively. They have the best 
uh, defensive rating in the East over the last 30 games. I think it's helped that he got Nerlens Noel back in that stretch and started using him because he really does serve as this nice defensive bridge. But, like, Philly's supporting cast is just mostly underdeveloped <laughs> crud. And a top eight net rating with him beat on the floor. And when you're looking at a 700-plus minute sample size in that context, it's like, whoa. And he's a rookie. Granted, he's been in the league for two years, but he hasn't really played basketball over the last two years. I'm not, I can't get over the top eight net rating. Like, that just still it's crazy. blows my mind. And you're beating a team like the Raptors when you're at home, and you've turned Philadelphia into this home court advantage. And, like, the crowd is just so pumped up. It's, it's ridiculous. That's what ultimately swears. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, and they're only five and a half games out of number eight in the East. <laughs> I don't think they are out of the playoff picture yet. Who, that's crazy. It's crazy. Who, it's crazy. Who could you imagine that's ahead of them falling behind? Are the no, Knicks they're definitely. Not gonna make it. Yeah. They're but not no, gonna I'm just saying, they might come closer than we think because the Magic are ahead of them, and I don't know that that'll necessarily I think there's a way. good chance they finish ninth. But, like, the Pacers and the Hornets and the Wizards aren't going to drop out, and they're not going to pass the Bucks. They I won't think the Pistons are going to yeah. turn it around. Even the Bulls might be iffy territory for them. Yeah, the Knicks I mean, and I think the Magic or whatever. Realistically, but... I think the ceiling is ten or eleven. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, still, still, still yeah. it's these are the Philadelphia 76ers that we're talking about. Yep. To go from like historical joke for the last three or four years to tenth place would be that would be quite the jump. Um, we all like ended up leaving him in. I, I, I have him on mine. I, I, have him on I, mine. I, I had too. a late switch to put him in instead of Porter. Porter so, yeah, I have, case, though. I have Paul George and Joel Embiid as my last two. So do I. I same, same here. Oh, so we, so we all ended up. Yeah. <laughs> so well, let's try to make a case for Love and Porter then. I mean, you can make the case for Love is easy, but like. I mean, he's he's the number three option. He's averaging a double double. Yeah, it's just on the best team in the East. He's also anchoring a lot of bench units that don't involve LeBron and Kyrie, which is huge because in the past the Cavs have fallen off when the superstars are on the court, and because he's been so good in that role as the alpha guy, they've been able to stagger minutes more, which is huge. He's also been able to figure out a way to stay on the floor when the Cavaliers are playing their best players against tinier lineups, which is a boon. I think, personally, I'm just more gravitated toward these guys who are having, even though that's not, I guess, what the All-Star game is about when you look at how it's played, but the players who have these big impacts on both ends of the floor. And Kevin Love, even when he's a, de- like, he's a defensive watch at, wash at his best or may- maybe a little bit of a plus when, when he's really locked in, but you just look at Paul George and Millsap and even Embiid, and their play on that less glamorous end really tips the scales in their favors for me. Yeah, I think I take George too for pretty much the same reasons. I think, um, like for me, it's like where would the Pacers be without Paul George, as opposed to where would the Cavs be without Kevin Love? Like the Cavs would be worse, but they still have LeBron and Kyrie. Um, I just, I just feel like Paul George is. He's still a superstar, and he's more important to his team than Love is to his. It comes down to kind of like an MVP uh, conversation. Go ahead, Adam. My important update is that I'm recording this on a table where my wife is working on a big puzzle, and I just found the last edge piece because it was sitting right (laughs) in front of me. Well done. 
She's gonna be pissed that you you put the corner piece in though. It wasn't a corner. It was just an edge one that finally connected the entire border. Oh wow! <laughs> so well yeah, done. It's been, yeah. I, I don't know how it <laughs> took me fifty nine minutes into our recording to find it. She's yeah. been staring at you the whole time. I'm totally paying attention. <laughs> um. So what? Let's talk about Porter then, because I I think that would probably throw people for a loop too. Um, he's like comfortably the second best player on the Wizards now, right? Yep. I think he's closer to being the first best than he is the third best. Which is that's interesting. I'm Go not ahead. saying that he's better than Wall. I'm yeah. not saying he's more valuable than Wall, but I think the gap between he and Wall is is smaller than between him and Beal because Porter has been so good in his role. He's been a lockdown defender. He's been a plus rebounder. He's been one of he's been the best spot up shooter in the NBA. He doesn't create for himself much, but like if you hit him in the chest with a, with a perfect pass, he's going to make the shot every he, time. He was. He also, again, while he doesn't create his own offense, I think at, entering that win over the Knicks last night, he was shooting fifty six percent on drives, which is ridiculous. well. That's, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the like, good thing the good thing for Porter here is that even if we leave him off the All Star team, which obviously is going to be devastating, that he doesn't have enough respect <laughs> from the three of us. He's going to get a max contract this summer yeah, because if the Wizards don't give him one, the Nets are going to throw him a max deal as a restricted free agent. The, yep. the Nets are probably going to throw max deals at KCP and Otto Porter at the same time and hope that, but they're both be oh, That would be so much fun. <laughs> like just, it's amazing. You worry though, like is this like contract year Otto Porter or something, but he's... I guess he's always shown flashes, but they were at the beginning of the season. He doesn't was, strike me as a contract year guy, though, because he's he's always had such a high motor. The but the only and thing he's is steadily is that they, improved like each year he's each been year. in the NBA. But the past two years that we've entered in the preseason, not necessarily we, but like the basketball sphere, wondering is he really the answer at the three and the four for them? Um, is Markeith Morris better? Is Kelly Oubre Jr. a better option? And he definitely put that conversation to bed. But he's had like kind of awful preseasons. I think he was pretty bad this preseason as well, but he just, you're right, his stats have steadily improved since he entered the league, like in terms of efficiency and minutes and everything. It's just all trending in up direction. Another great litmus test for how much you've been paying attention to the league this year is asking people if you think Otto Porter or Carmelo Anthony are better right now. Yeah. Because the answer is very obviously Otto Porter. Sorry, <laughs> Dan. Dan. <laughs> Dan is trying not to cry. I mean, it's not it's not wrong. Like there's <laughs> like if you need someone to create their own shot, like Melo might still be the pick, but that's the sure. extent of his his edge. And just and the here's the thing too is that what I was going to say about Porter, where you were saying the gap between him and Wall is smaller than the gap between him and Beal. I don't disagree. I actually agree, but it's weird to say that Beal would probably be better without Wall than Porter would. Because he's so good yes. in his role, but his role is so dependent on Wall. But to that point, and the Carmelo Anthony thing triggered this, that's kind of what you want, is those guys built around those those drivers and those explosive point guards. Like Carmelo Anthony's offensive game, even people look at him now and are like, man, he's best as a spot-up shooter. Like we don't need him pounding away in the post or in isolation or shooting these long twos like he still does, or ruining our crunch time offense, which he still does. Sorry, that was off topic. <laughs> and I, I think it's also worth noting that we're not trying to put 
Brad Beal down. Like, this is very much yeah. a compliment to Porter. Beal's having a great season. He's become probably one of the best offensive shooting guards in the NBA, not just the Eastern Conference. I think that you could have him as a fringe all-star candidate. Yeah. But Definitely. Porter has just been that much better. The defensive gap between those two is where it's really just enormous. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about with Porter. He's a, he's a really good defender, too. He's allowed the Wizards to play. I, I don't want to use the word small, but he's allowed the Wizards to like field these stretchier lineups when they're not really built to do that the entire game. And part of that is Scott Brooks has gotten to the point where he just ignores his bench because it's just awful. But yeah, he's, they've got a terrible bench. He's, he's helped them, like, even when they got Markeith Morris, you were like, are they going to be able to play these, like, four-out lineups? And Otto Porter's just made sure, like, that's not even an issue. Like, they can do that for the entire game. Jabari Parker had an interesting case. I'll also Jabari say. Parker yeah. is probably the biggest snub on my list besides Kevin Love. I I'm glad have, you brought him up. I might have Porzingis as the biggest snub just ahead of Parker, but they would be right in the... I was happy to That's see. Fair. I That's was fair. happy to see. I think it was the media and the fans gave. Well, I don't know what the final tally was for the fans. So I shouldn't speak, but might have had. Kristaps might have had more votes from the fans and media than Carmelo Anthony, which is just. I guess it's it's irrelevant, <laughs> that but, is it, good. but it also shows yeah. like hey, people realize that Kristaps is the best the player on that player. team. Yeah. Yep. This is some good awkward silence. No one had <laughs> no one had anything else to say on Jabari. I think this is a good stopping point for our yeah. All Star conversation. Which I guess that would mean it's time for bacon, bacon. Where's the bacon? I smell bacon, bacon, bacon. Gotta be bacon. Only one thing smells like bacon. That's bacon. Yes, that's right. Burns my bacon is back after an incredibly extended hiatus because I don't think we've done it over the last few podcasts. Bringing us back in to the Burns My Bacon fold will be Mr. Adam Frommel. We just saw the Baseball Hall of Fame voting results announced, which means it is time for my annual gripe about how that is done. A, it's ridiculous that the writers who select these players are limited to only 10 selections. Uh, They should be allowed to pick as many as they want. A lot of them did use all 10 selections. I think the average was like eight used, which is higher than it's been in the past. And beyond that, I don't think that the PED guys should be seeing their vote totals depressed so much because it is not the Hall of Good People. It is the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame should have the all-time home run leader in it, regardless of whether he juiced or not. It should have Kurt Schilling in it, regardless of whether he used ketchup on his sock or if he was really (laughs) bleeding during the World Series game, and regardless of what a vile human being he is. It is not the Hall of Good People. Ty Cobb is in the Hall of Fame. Cap Anson is in the Hall of Fame. We've seen plenty of people who were against the segregation movement or who were for the segregation movement and against the civil rights movement um, that that are still in these venerated positions within the sport of baseball. And to keep out these people because... You don't agree with what they did because you think they cheated during an era where everyone was cheated. It's disingenuous. It takes away from the people who are going there to see the history of the sport. I agree 100%. And I, it's like <laughs> there are a lot of questionable characters in the Hall of Fame. And I especially agree with your last point that um, you, you basically just have to black out an entire era if you're going to say that, that PED guys can't get in because it was everywhere during that phase. 
And we're not even keeping out the people who were confirmed steroid users. It's the people who are suspected steroid yeah. users as well. Yeah. Some nice. Like I'm not supporting I'm cheating. I'm, that, that's, that's not the point. Like I think that Barry, Bag, Barry Bonds is a scumbag. <laughs> I don't like Kurt Schilling at all. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, it doesn't. That's not the argument. I'm. I, I. I'm with you 100 on this. I agree with you guys. <laughs> so I, that's my only input on there. I don't. I'm not pro cheating, but at this point, like with baseball going the way it is, like guys are going to use steroids, and that's what they're going to do to their bodies in that sport. Like you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I think what we've come to. Uh, definite consensus over the course of this podcast is we hate like all sorts of voting results sports. <laughs> <laughs> or voting processes whether it's uh, NBA All-Star Hall the of Fame the Electoral College all kinds of issues going on with voting right now um, if you want to talk to us about any of that or about our please not uh, voting results <laughs> about our votes for uh, the reserves which were 100% um, correct you can get at us on Twitter. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Adam is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And the show is at Hardwood Knox, which Dan has diligently um, tried to resurrect recently. So hopefully we can get that thing cooking again. He just made a, a stink face. so Diligently <laughs> might be a little bit. <laughs> well, more diligent than either one of us was, that's for sure. Yeah, I uh, forgot the password. <laughs> so as always thanks for listening please uh subscribe on itunes or blog talk radio or wherever you get the podcast uh leave us a rating if you'd like that would help um we leave this podcast as we always do or as i hope we always do we have with not, a shout out really. to bino udry who i believe is on the heat now like as i said i don't even know exactly <laughs> place for no, he's not. He's he, on the Pistons. Yeah, he's on the Pistons. Oh my god! <laughs> he follows us on Twitter, Bailey. You can't. You can't just be getting his, stuff. His wrong. haircut is fantastic too. So you should watch Pistons games oh, just I, for him. I, I have actually seen the haircut. He's got like the shaved sides and the thing pulled back now, right? And apparently, the next episode needs to be a who he play for with Andy. <laughs> I guarantee that'll be the only one I miss. <laughs> It's it just, just happens to be the guy that I shout out at the end of okay, it. That, that's why that's why it's so bad. Is that that's what you mean? I honestly, Pistons like wasn't even in the deepest corner of my mind. Right you, there, you just trashed the validity of this entire podcast by giving your shout out to Beno. Uche. Oh, he, the shout out is the most valid part and will remain so. I hope. Napa know-how. Chase Elliott here letting you know that when you spend $25 a Napa this month, you get a free Chase Elliott racing hat. Need a set of brakes? How about a new battery? Both are hat-worthy. Replacing an air filter, then adding on wiper blades and headlamps just to break 25 bucks? That works, too. Go get your free Chase Elliott hat today. Quality parts, helpful people, free hats. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 331.19. Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. By now you probably know that I like to read the newspaper. I just like that old school feel. But when I'm traveling or too busy to grab a paper, I like to go digital. It doesn't matter how you read the news, it just matters that you read it. That's how I stay informed. Read the paper or go digital. It's up to you. Be like Clay. Subscribe today and get local coverage of everything that matters. Read the paper. Subscribe to digital or print by going to clayoffer.com. It's news delivered your way. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal.